0: You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show.
1: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. Funny to discuss on this uh, Friday morning, and man, I know you're fired up, Jake. Uh, NFL draft now, what, less than a week away.
2: You know I love that NFL draft.
1: Well, we got a number of uh, local stars that will be looking to uh, make a name for themselves at the next level and get their shot in the NFL, and that includes former Louisiana Tech kicker Jonathan Barnes, and he now joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Jonathan, how are you doing this morning, bud? I'm doing great. How are you all this morning? Good. We haven't seen you since uh, that fourth consecutive bowl win for Louisiana Tech and, of course, at the uh, Pro Day. Uh, what have the last couple of months been for you as you continue to train and, of course, hopefully get a shot at the lead?
3: Uh, they've been good. Definitely different for sure, not being able to kind of kind of wind down as part of the Louisiana Tech football team. But uh, it's been good to be able to get to train and kind of focus on uh, getting ready for the next step.
1: We talk about your next step, and of course, uh, the long legacy of great kickers from Louisiana Tech. You're hoping to follow in the footsteps of, uh, you know, Stover, Bonio, and Scobie. You know, Matt Nelson had a nice career at Louisiana Tech. Let's start there. First of all, why Louisiana Tech was so attractive for you coming out of uh, high school in Baton Rouge? Uh,
3: I think I think Louisiana Tech was. I went to a couple of different schools, and they were the ones that took a shot on me. And then I came up here and absolutely fell in love with the place. and uh it's just it's just a family atmosphere, and I think that kind of bodes well for kickers here. It kind of makes you feel comfortable and uh you step out on the field, you feel everybody behind you, so I think maybe that's part of the reason that kickers have had great success here and been lucky enough to be a part of that uh, long tradition.
1: Jonathan, we remember you of course for setting uh, records in field goals, extra points, career scoring, literally a single season extra points at Louisiana Tech. But it wasn't like you got off to a great start or were immediately the starting kicker for the Bulldogs. Uh, what was that like coming out of high school and, you know, having some growing pains early on in your career?
3: Yeah, coming out of high school, I kind of thought I was going to come in and be the starting guy and then got here and, like you said, struggled first first uh, year or so and got to compete with Kyle Fisher. And I think that's probably one of the best things that happened to me when I did get here was having somebody here that there was able to compete with me. And he was somebody that probably could have gone and played at other places. So I think he was good enough to go play D1 football. And so I think that every day at practice when you go out and you compete against somebody that's that good and that, that can compete with you, that pushes you to be better. And I think that that ended up being a big part of why I was able to be so successful here is because of the competition on a daily basis that we had every day.
1: Did you feel like there was a point in your career where the, the light really came on and your confidence uh, skyrocketed? I know in 2014 you started splitting duties a little bit more, and of course you had some more opportunities before uh, 2015.
3: Yeah, I think 2014 was kind of kind of getting my feet wet a little bit and uh, kind of figuring out what college football is all about. But in 2015, I think I came in and kind of had learned and found the right mindset, and then I think it all kind of really fell together in the Kansas State game. Even though we weren't able to come out of there with a win, I think that kind of the the big-time kicks at the end that we were able to execute really uh, pushed me to be able to step out there and feel like that we were going to be able to get the job done no matter where we were or what the kick was that we had to execute the rest of the time I was here.
1: Jonathan, what kind of mentality do you have to have as a kicker?
3: Uh, I I think that's a good question because, uh, there's, there's, there can be a bunch of different mentalities as a kicker, but I think that, uh, it's kind of a lot like golf and where there's a lot of people can step up there when they're out there playing by themselves and hit a tee shot down the middle. But when you're on 18 at Augusta, can you knock it down the fairway and, and get it up and down to, to get the green jacket? And I think that's kind of the same type of deal that you have to have when you're, when you're a kicker, just because. I know that we we rely heavily on our snapper and holder, but at the end of the day, there's a lot that comes down to just us executing, and it's whether you can mentally put everything away that's going on around you and leading up to that kick, and just make it seem like it's just another kick that you haven't practiced. And like, can you go out there and just execute that kick the same way you would do every day? And so I think, kind of as a kicker, you have to have that mentality of. Being relaxed and in control of your emotions and be able to take that deep breath before you hit the kick
1: all right well let's uh pressure pack moments junior year you're in a bowl game the game's on the line you uh run out there to kick a game-winning field goal what is that moment like
3: incredible absolutely incredible it's something that you as a kicker you definitely uh you live for and if you're not living for it, you're probably playing the wrong position but uh uh, it was it was definitely an awesome moment. I think we were getting ready to go out there, and uh, Coach Holtz was going to come up to me and kind of was ready to talk to me and settle me down. And I just looked at him and smiled, and I was like, "Look, man, let's let's go do this. I'm I'm excited. We've been we've been waiting for this moment all year. Let's let's go get it done." And I was actually uh, walking back with his son across the field after the game, and he looked at me, and Chad was like, "Man, I I was watching you before we were driving it down, and." I mean, we knew it was going to come down to field goal, and he was like, I didn't understand. You were just over there. You were kind of checking out the crowd, we're relaxed, looking around, like, like they were not going to come down to you at the end. And I told him, I said, man, I said, that's, that's kind of what you live for. You want to take it all in and experience it all while it's about to happen and then kind of go out there. And once you get out there, lock it out and knock it in. But that was definitely an awesome moment to be a part of, especially to celebrate with my team the way we did and kind of send those seniors out the right way.
1: Jonathan, is it safe to say that has been the highlight of your career so far?
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'll never forget it. I'll, I'll never forget it. We get out there, and as you know, the weather wasn't wasn't the best during the ball game. And yeah. we get out there, and I look down at Logan to get the to tell him that we're ready. And as soon as we look at each other, it starts raining, and I'm like, "Well, this this probably wouldn't have been set up any other way." So, I'll never forget that rain coming down and knocking it in, and having everybody rush the field and. It was, it was an awesome experience.
1: You had a fantastic junior year. Unfortunately, senior year statistically didn't live up to what you did your junior year. As you go back and you look at some of the issues, uh, what can you pinpoint why maybe your senior year wasn't as good as your junior campaign?
3: Uh, I think it had a lot to do with kind of the, the rhythm that we tried to get uh, with me, Cam, and Will being all, all new together, whereas the years in the past we'd had Daryl and uh, Logan, just that consistency. And so I think that was kind of some stuff that we tried to work through throughout the year. And uh, if, if if you look back, I guess it's kind of there's a couple kicks I'd like to have back. And, you know, but uh, overall, I think that kind of that might have had a little bit to do with it. And then just just not being able to execute on the regular basis that we did the year before. But uh, I, I don't think that we could pinpoint exactly one thing, probably.
1: Yeah, Jonathan, but you look, I mean, you end and you basically rewrote the record books and your name is now atop of some big, big names and guys that had long, illustrious careers in the NFL. Uh, How humbled are you by the fact that now that you are ahead of Stover, Bonio, and Scobie?
3: Oh, extremely, extremely. I tell people all the time, I said, I was just lucky to get here at the right time and have them keep me around long enough to where my name was at the top. I got to play with a bunch of really, really talented guys here and be a part of a bunch of really good teams that aren't our own set records as teams. And so when, when they keep you around long enough and you're playing for those kind of teams, then good things will happen. My name might be at the top, but it was definitely a team effort for me to get there.
1: Jonathan Barnes, former Louisiana Tech kicker, joins us on the Stuart Shelby uh, Hotline. Uh, now moving forward, what are you hearing from scouts? And I know you had a very good uh, pro day. Uh, what do you think about the NFL draft and, of course, maybe getting a shot at playing the next level?
3: Yeah, I uh, trained for those couple months leading up to Pro Day. I uh, was really excited about it. Uh, when Pro Day got here, I thought I was never going to be all kicked, just because we waited till the end. So I was there for four hours just waiting around. But like you said, I couldn't have asked to really perform much better than what I did during Pro Day. And I uh, did get a lot of positive feedback from a bunch of the scouts that were there. And I've heard from a couple of the teams since then, and uh, it's it's trending in the right direction. And uh, like I told my agent, I said, look, all I want is, is to get my foot in the door so I can have a shot. And I think if I, if I can get a shot somewhere, that's really all I can ask for.
1: Growing up, when did you start thinking about kicking at the next level and then perhaps maybe dreaming about kicking in the National Football League? Uh,
3: growing up, I was a, a soccer guy for most of my life. Uh, my dad went to LSU and uh, kicked there, and so in middle school, he, we kind of started kicking the footballs a little bit. He started showing me how to do it, and then uh, I actually got to high school, and uh, my freshman year, their kicker that was there had left, had been a senior the year before, and they actually had nobody to could kick. And so I uh, I was a starting varsity kicker as a freshman, had never put on a pair of uh, pads or a helmet in my life, and so it was uh, kind of... Trial by fire that first year, and I loved every minute of it. And uh, from that point on, kind of living in the south, fo- college football is is what it's all about. And that was something that I kind of started dreaming about. I think that really NFL dreams really really didn't start happening until maybe the last couple years. I think I I was just so focused and wanted to play college football, and and when I was able to realize those dreams, that's kind of kind of I tried to take it all in. And because of how the success we've had and, and what we've done here, I've been able to possibly, hopefully get an opportunity to the next level. But I probably never dreamed as a kid watching on TV on Sundays that I was going to have the chance to play in the NFL. I was just a small soccer player from Baton Rouge. that was eyes were as wide as could be about playing college football.
1: Is there a kicker in the game now that you look up to?
3: Yeah, I think that uh, – I think that – Adam Vinatieri's the man. I think that no matter, even even though there's other kickers that statistically are more accurate, that you can't put a price or you can't put uh, value on how clutch he's been in his career. I think that any time if you want a kicker, you want somebody that at the end of the game when it matters the most is going to go out there and knock him through every time. You don't you don't think that he's going to step on the field and not knock it through. So. He's, he's somebody that I'd say is probably probably the kicker that I would look up to the most, I guess, just because of the number of times he stepped out there when it is the big moment and been automatic.
1: A lot of people don't realize this. you got a younger brother following you in your cleats, and he is a very good kicker in high school. Saw him last year against Neville. I think they lined him up for a 54-yard field goal attempt. Uh, Where is he looking to go?
3: Uh yeah, I, so I tell people I said uh, as soon as I got done this past year, I turned in from uh, text kicker to Jacob's older brother. <laughs> Every time I come around the uh, the building, it's how's Jacob doing? What's Jacob doing? How's he doing? And it's fully deserved because the kid's unbelievable. Uh, I think right now he's probably the same size I was last year. So he he got the good into the genetics, but the kid can absolutely kick the cover off the ball both. Field goals and punting, and so. so you uh, got to push
1: him to Louisiana we, Tech. You gotta, you gotta. Yeah,
3: he, I know, I know. And so we actually offered him, and so that's what I, I, Coach Holtz is like. Well, you're going to go from being Johnson's little brother to one of our recruits, and so he's kind of making that transition from just the last five years coming to visit Rustin as just coming up here to kind of watch the games and watch me play to kind of it becoming his experience now, and so. That's exciting for me to be able to watch, and kind of exciting for him, and and so we'll see. I think he's going to go through a couple more kicking camps. And I told him, I said, look, I want you to get the whole experience. I said, I love it here at Tech, and I'll I'll put everything in. So, but I I definitely want you to get the whole experience of a recruiting process and kind of and see what it's all about.
1: And finally, Jonathan uh, weighing your options now. If you do don't get drafted, of course, then you're going to have some options to go to camps. How important is it going to be to fit, find the right fit, and of course, then to look at the the competition that you'll be facing in camp?
3: Yeah, I think I think that's huge. I think that's uh, probably more likely in situation. I think, but uh, to to probably after draft maybe an undrafted free agent or go into a mini camp, but uh, definitely, especially as a kicker, when there's only thirty two teams and there's thirty two jobs out there, you got to mm. try and uh, find the right team and. If I'm lucky to have more than one team, then finding the right team would definitely be a huge deal. But right now just kind of trying to, trying to make it through the next week and uh, focus on getting ready and uh, let let God do what he, what he wants to do. And in the end, it's all up to him.
1: Final question. Last year uh Media Day, you did a fabulous job for us. We gave you a microphone and went around and you filmed or you interviewed a lot of your different teammates. You were outstanding. Who should take over that role next year or this fall when I go ask a player to kind of do that duty?
3: Oh, that's a that's a great question. Who who would be the best interviewer on our team? Man, that's a that's a tough one. Um, let me think. There's there's a bunch of really charismatic guys we've got on our team. I'd say I'd say maybe maybe Cam Ignite would be a good one. I All think right. he'd have some pretty good questions for some guys out there.
1: He wouldn't be in deer in headlights. He, he'd be able to handle that that pressure situation with the, the light yeah, on. Yeah, I
3: think, I think he'd, uh, he'd relish that moment and be, be ready to go.
1: Man, outstanding. Good luck to you. Appreciate the time, bud. We'll be keeping close tabs on you, and hopefully the next time that we're talking to you, you'll be on an NFL roster, and uh, perhaps we'll be talking about a game-winning kick from Jonathan Barnes.
2: Sounds good. Y'all have a good
1: one. Thank you, bud. Former Louisiana Tech kicker.
2: Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I'm glad you asked him about Jacob because I completely forgot about that. Uh-huh. Um, but that is funny that he instantly became Jacob's older brother, yeah. uh, trying to get him over to Louisiana Tech. He, I remember and seeing they, him. And
1: they ran him out there for that field goal. I was like, and then, of course, put two and two together. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Man, he has a leg, though. He's a big kid. He was not embellishing at all. We saw him yeah. kick, and we were impressed. Good luck to him. Yeah. John. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, uh, we'll dive into this Pels. What a win for them last night. They now have a commanding lead in this series. Three games to nothing. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby highlight. All right, a couple texts here. Uh, Richie says the kicker turnover ratio is ridiculous in the NFL. He will definitely get his shot. Referencing uh, Jonathan Barnes, the former Louisiana Tech kicker. Quint says, uh, "How many brooms will be sold in NOLA over the next 48 hours?"
2: A good question. Quite a bit. Quite a bit because we are all grabbing our brooms today.
1: So there were a number of uh, Saints players in the house for the Pel's yeah. 119 to 102 victory last night. Uh, I didn't see a, a Sean Payton shot. Maybe if Payton walks in there, the Smoothie King with a broom. The
2: broom. Oh my God! They have to do that. They have to. That would be better than Breeze coming out doing a hoot at chant. Just Sean Payton walking out with a broom. <laughs> come on.
1: Not afraid that that would jingle That would it, uh-huh?
2: well that would definitely fire up Portland. Yeah. And that would probably Yeah, that would probably backfire, but that would still be awesome. <laughs> that would be great. But uh
1: I don't know, a Drew Breeze chant would be Drew
2: Brees chant would be uh, Drew Breeze chant would, would work much better because A it would fire up the crowd just yeah. as much. B it wouldn't insult Portland. You know, that, that would work way yeah. better. But I just. Uh, now Who let's cares? You, You're up 3 nothing. Now let's just say Sean Payton walking out with a broom. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. And but, do his little dance.
1: I saw Cam Jordan was there. I mean, I'm sure he.
2: That's our guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's our favorite player. But you'd have
1: to put, like, you know, the pregame festivities, you'd have to, like, say five minutes for him because he would just go on and on and on. <laughs> he,
2: would, he would get everybody in trouble, yes. no doubt. But uh, yeah, Pel's rolled last night. Uh, the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, we talked a lot about that in the first hour. Just how how cool it was to see a game of that magnitude in New Orleans, and to see the people show up and and show out. You know, and, and provide that home court advantage that the Pelicans will need in the next series. You know, I'm already, I guess, uh, you know, expecting them to roll through this. Even if they're not, even if they don't sweep, I just think this series is getting away from Portland. New Orleans is playing too well right now. They're playing team ball. You know, we talked a lot about the highlights like AD's put back and just the way Miritich played, but uh, the, you know, playoff rondo is in full form. The second play of the game, the way he drove to the hoop, faked it behind his back to AD and then passed it to a cut Miritich. I mean, that is Boston Celtics playoff Rondo type stuff. Mm. So it's just really, again, I'm gushing again because it's just so fun to sit back as a fan and watch this team, which, you know, I used to always have to pick a playoff team because the Pelicans usually don't make it. And so, you know, I, I would try to pick a team to root for. And it's just awesome to have the Pelicans in the playoffs. I can root for them on this stage.
1: Who's on board? Who's still a little leery or uh, may still have their doubts? We want to hear from you at 888-993-7762. We certainly know who's on board over at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters, and that being John Tabor. What do you make of this run, Tabes, and can it continue? Yes, it will continue. Yes, bring your broom Saturday. Mm. And, I mean, Golden State looks like they're going to sweep as well, but who knows when Curry will be back? Durant and Sean Livingston both rolled their ankles. Mm-hmm. So they're not 100%. Hey, you know, why not? You know, the mm-hmm. team's playing the best basketball that I've, quite frankly, ever seen the franchise play. Yeah, they got the longest winning streak in the league right now. Hey, keep it going. All and we- how often do we say in the NBA they don't play defense? Well, the Pels are well, certainly that, playing some D.
2: That changes in the playoffs. That changes in the playoffs, but the Pelicans are playing great defense, like you said, and they're just they're they're just hot offensively. They're hitting shots, and the chemistry. I it's something I, I keep repeating, but I think it's very important to, to be on this stage and have. I think that's something that's always kind of separated the Warriors that uh, these last couple of years because their chemistry is off the charts with the way they move the ball. It's something that usually separates the Spurs from other people too, but you know. Tabor just said it. The Warriors are not fully healthy. Pelicans are playing the best ball that they've ever played. So give me those two things. And, yeah, maybe a couple weeks ago I'd have said, yeah, you know, if they get past Portland, that's 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 awesome. That's a huge win. But there's no way. There's no chance. I give them 2% chance to get past the Warriors. Now, you know, I might go up to 20 <laughs> <laughs> I might go up to twenty, but like seriously, I you know I give them a puncher's chance now. I, I I wouldn't a couple of weeks ago, but the way they're playing, and we again we haven't seen Steph Curry yet. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. And the
1: monster game from Anthony Davis?
2: He had a good one last night. Like it's still it's game? still not that you know. You don't need it yet. He don't need it yet. Yeah. That's right. And whenever you need it, you got him.
1: So they win by two, they win by nine, they win by 17 last night in the 119-102 to 102 victory. They get off to a hot start, making a 10 of their first uh, 14 shots. Really never trailed after the first four minutes of this ball game. Talk about the defense from the Pels. They force uh, 24 turnovers, which leads to 35 Pelican points. A lot of different storylines in this. Uh, the head coach from Portland, can you name his name? Uh no. <laughs> see, see. Terry Stotts. Hey, hey, hey. There, you, there go. you go. Terry Thank Stotts. You. Afterwards, he called it the worst game of the year. He saw turnovers that he's never seen before.
2: Yeah, um, and Richie says that Pelicans team last night was a 60-win team. It certainly looked like it. One of the things I liked about last night, too, was the shots of Boogie on the sideline. I like seeing how into it he was, you, you know, because... It, we, we all wondered whether or not he would resign with the team, but the way that this Pelicans team has played as of late, how can he not resign? Mm-hmm. How can they not make that work? And then, you know, this is all kind of setting the stage for next year. But, man, I enjoyed watching him celebrate with guys on the bench.
1: So from just their body language and these quotes, you think this thing has got to be over?
2: It's got to be. Got to finish it Saturday. It's got to be. Um, it's just, you know, what, where did the, what does Portland have left? right? I mean, the Pelicans are just feeling so good right now. They're, they're so confident. And Portland hasn't had an answer for the Pelicans' defense. Their backcourt has not been able to really get off. And I know that what well, they come by for 42 points last night, that's still somewhat modest for those two guys. Those are two all-stars that they have in the backcourt that have not looked like all-stars in this series. So I just, I wonder what they have left. I, I think yeah, you know, get your berms ready.
1: And you mentioned, of course, uh, Golden State now up in that series, three games to nothing over San Antonio. They take care of business last night, 110-97. to 97. Popovich was not at the game because he continues to be with his family and mourn the loss of his wife. I don't know, just for I'm hoping the Spurs can just, just you know, win win, one.
2: Yeah, when I made my predictions last week, I, I said that, you know, Golden State would win four to one i said they would win it in five games because i I have so much respect for pop i think they would win one game so i'm hoping they they pull one out here um but yeah the the warriors i i I just i never understood the argument that this was going to be a close series because it's just such a mismatch without Kawhi to guard kevin durant and of course clay thompson has really turned it up since the playoffs started has been shooting like his old self and uh yeah it's just it's not a good match. Joe. The other
1: storyline, and uh, Tabes mentioned it, the fact that uh, the Warriors are banged up. And then last night, Kevin Durant rolls his ankle afterwards, though. He basically told ESPN, I'm good. It's nothing. Said it was just a quick roll. Uh, it did not completely turn. Went on to say, I'm fine.
2: Yeah, so that's something to monitor as well. And, and, you know, while we're kind of going around the NBA, I want to mention real quick Joel Embiid one more time because uh, – he is awesome, not only because cause he's dominant on the floor, but because of the things he says. And th- the video of Justice Winslow intentionally stepping on that mask, mm. like, and I love what he said after he said, that's not going to get me out of this series. I'm going to be a nightmare for them. Love it. Love that quote from Embiid, and uh, I'm really buying into this. I
1: sentences. know those masks can be irritating. They're difficult to play with, but, man, it adds a little intimidation. I to love it. it. I
2: love it. Well, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Rip Hamilton is like the only guy who ever yeah. just wore the mask after the injury and just kept wearing it. Uh, everybody else usually takes it off as quick as possible because it seems so so um, uh, irritating. But, yeah, Joel Embiid with, with Ben Simmons, give me the Sixers to the finals.
1: Great crowd last night. you got to imagine uh, come Saturday afternoon that place will be rocking again.
2: Oh, yeah, you can guarantee that.
1: 888 993 7762. Let's take a timeout on the morning drive. All right, Jake, we got a lot of ground to cover here as we look forward to a big, big weekend. Spring football games, of course, at LSU and ULM. In terms of uh, college baseball, you look at the matchups this weekend. Uh, three of the teams that we take a lot of interest in are on the road. Let's start with uh, Grambling. They're traveling down to square up against their arch rival Southern. The Jags are really struggling right now. I think they've lost their last 11 games. I believe they're 4-10 and in SWAC play. Yeah, not ideal. And then Grambling coming off that big win against ULM. you got to like the Tigers' chances this weekend. How about uh, LSU versus Cal- South Carolina? Not the Gamecocks program and team that we typically see, but they're not bad.
2: No, but they're still not good. <laughs> um this is important because LSU only has two road wins on the season. Hmm. Did you know that? No, I did not. know Two that. road wins. So
1: leave it to the LSU guy to know that. Though.
2: They uh, they need to prove they can win on the road because they need to be concerned about RPI as well.
1: Hmm. Uh, LSU has won 15 of its last 21 games with South Carolina. Zach Hess will of course get to start tonight. He is now six and three on the year, 3.71 ERA. Shouldn't come as a shocker as you look at the game notes for the third game for LSU, TBA.
2: TBA. Johnny Holstaff. <laughs> uh,
1: then, of course, you have uh, Louisiana Tech going down to Marshall. You look at the Stundering Herd squad. They are 17-17 and 17 overall, 5-7 and seven at home. I was looking through their schedule. Nothing really stands out about them. Dave Nitz, the Hall of Famer, is fired up, though. He's back in West Virginia for the weekend. There you go. There's the storyline. <laughs> Louisiana Tech needs to get back on track yes, and win they a series do. in conference play. Yes,
2: they do. Uh, they got a big win against ULL. A uh, 15-2 to win that we've discussed quite a bit, and we'll keep discussing it because we love to see ULL add L's. But, uh, yeah, big win for Louisiana Tech last week. Build off of that uh, rebound from uh, last week's conference loss.
1: Uh, ULM at home, uh, you heard from Coach Federico earlier in the week. Warhawks scoring off against an App State squad. Warhawks in desperate need of a slump buster on paper. App State looks like that. They are 1-14 in conference play. They are 9-27 and overall. They have lost eight of their last nine games. Just crunching the numbers offensively, they are struggling, and they are struggling mightily. They have not scored over six runs since March 27th. And I gave you the stat earlier in the yeah. day. Uh, for the year... They have a team batting average of 200.
2: Two mind-boggling stats for me today. That stat you just read and the fact that Doug Peterson threw it 71 times in a game Mm. in 1990.
1: It wasn't that long ago. You you think that they didn't play with face masks back in 1990? That's over 25
2: years ago. (laughs) 71 passes is a lot for today. And I know we keep evolving to more of a passing game. 71 passes is a lot for today. For 20, what is it, 28 years ago? Yeah. Dude, come on. That's a lot of freaking passes. Sometimes
1: I start to uh, realize how old I'm getting. It happened there when you're talking about something in 1990. I was just fre- fresh out of high school. And then yesterday I was at Sterlington uh, doing the pizza thing with the Lady Panthers. And I was telling the girls, yeah, you guys will be going after uh, your second state softball championships. And they just looked at me like, who? Huh? I said, yeah, you guys won one back in uh, 2003, 2004 <laughs> around that neighborhood. Who? Huh? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you. some of you weren't even born.
2: Yeah, Um. I'm still at that stage where I think back to the 90s and it feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> Not the case.
1: Uh, Lady Texter softball, too. A huge series at home. It's number one versus number two. They are red hot. They are literally one of the hottest teams in the country. I believe they've won 12 in a row now, which puts them like third or fourth best in the country for this winning streak. Very good for uh, Mark Montgomery and his girls. Back at home. Can they keep it going this weekend?
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> high school baseball, you're certainly looking forward to a big matchup tonight.
2: Yeah, real quick, Richie says South Carolina baseball might be bad, but they're no worse than Tulane, just saying. Yeah. That's true. Um, all right, so high school baseball, I just wanted to kind of look at everything and kind of see where we're kind of shaking out as the regular season you know, ends this week. This is, Tonight's the last game for a lot of teams. And then Monday, playoff start. So starting with 5A, uh, I'll look at West Monroe. You know, they just split the series with uh, Natchitoch Central, and they're hovering around 21. So, or th- at least they were 21 as of Tuesday in the power rankings, and then they split with Natchitoch Central. So I don't know if there'll be too much movement there. Um, so they're likely to travel in the first round, and this is an elimination game. And th- what's funny about this is, you know, I've had a lot of talks with Wade Seminole, head coach for West Monroe, about, changing the first round of the playoffs a lot of coaches want that changed best of three barb they don't want yeah barb i mean because barb wants it nobody else wants it but uh because uh it's it's an elimination game you can just throw a great pitcher out there and you have a chance against some of these top teams and it's funny that west Monroe was usually in that top teams conversation and had to worry about that but this year they have a kid in Jonathan Snooks who was pitched outstanding all year long, and they can throw him against anybody. So it's kind of funny to see them on the, the opposite side. The script has been flipped. The script has been flipped. So I, th- I find that to be uh, pretty fun to watch. And, and the fact that, you know, something that I know uh, Coach Jim has tried to change uh, or, or has worked hard to, to get that changed, and it, it hasn't changed. So now he can use it for his benefit. <laughs> I think that's funny. Um, and then – you know, you look at uh, Rustin team, who I think they're around like 29. Uh, so they'll hit the road for sure. But they have a couple of good hands, too. I mean, they have a couple of good arms in, in Graham Haynes and, and Caston Fur. So, you know, who knows what could happen there. And then Washtaw Parish was at 31 as of Tuesday, and they split with Ash, which was uh, the 32nd best team in, in, in Class 5A. And so Washita again, same boat. They'll be traveling, but they have Jake Hammond. An all district uh, pitcher, a pitcher who, you know, we've seen morph into this really good pitcher. He's been sensational for Washtop Parish in his career. So, you know, it's funny to see all three of these teams in that situation where they can travel and just throw a really good arm out there and try to get the upset. So that's five A. And 4 a you know, we just saw West Washtal last night. I think that's and I don't want to I know we've gotta watch the time here. But I always like the conversation about momentum because I'm so torn on it because I don't know how I feel about it. We've seen instances, and I know somebody probably texted and said, it's never good to lose. Okay, I get that. But in terms of psychology, and I learned this from Nick Saban just watching interviews from him, sometimes a loss can really do you well because when you're undefeated and you're starting to feel good about yourself, it's tough because – You know, you can go out there and not have the same type of mindset, and you can get humbled, and then you can regain that mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that could be the case for West Washtenaw because they were on a 14-game win streak, faced a really good Sterlington team, and got humbled last night. Now,
1: Baseball is so much different than the other sports, too.
2: It is. It is. And and so, you know, you look at last year, they were upset in the first round with that single elimination game, remember? Um, And so – you know, they, they're fresh off of that. They're fresh off of this loss. So I want to see West Washington who will be a top-five team, go into that elimination game with a healthy mindset. I think they will have a really good mindset going into that. Uh, Neville, which is around 21-ish, uh, they had that big 9-3 to win against Tioga, the number one team in the Class 4A earlier this week. A huge win for them. But, you know, you're talking about a Neville team here that returns so many pieces to that state championship team from a year ago. And so I've just been waiting for them to turn it on. seems like they did earlier this week when they beat Tioga. And, man, it's good. Here comes the momentum argument, whether you believe in it or not. That's establishing some momentum heading into the playoffs. So I wouldn't want to see Neville if I was one of those top seeds. Um, And then Franklin Parrish at at 26. We talked with Mark Sims, uh, Class 3A Sterlington, number one. I think I'm the most confident in them of anyone to to, to reach in Sulphur because – you know, we said it. Trey Rock, Adam Tubbs have been fantastic on the mound, and that lineup is just filling it right now. Uh, they're really strong. Uh, Kinder and Welsh probably teams to beat in 2A, and then Division Four, which has a lot of teams um, that we cover. OCS, the, the most dangerous lineup, I think, in, in Division Four, without a doubt. And uh, it's it's interesting because they have. Um, they have their pitching stuff hasn't been dominant without seth tray week who's missed i believe like the last month and uh, with, with tendonitis and coach parker had always circled the playoffs as the time that he would come back and seth Trey week makes a big difference he's a great pitcher for ocs and when he's he you can throw him along with that dangerous lineup they have to be considered one of the teams to beat in division four so Anyway, I just wanted to give a little preview to the playoffs. I know we have so many really good teams, um, so many really compelling storylines. And I think, you know, if you're looking at the seeding, it's not going to tell the full story. I think you're going to see a lot of big-time uh, postseason runs. And, again, I have been wrong before. I thought we would see that in football as well, and uh, that didn't work out.
1: Hmm. 888-993-7762. Todd Ways in, says, I am when he was in the Little League. That kid has been a
2: stud his whole life. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
1: Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, uh, Joey Trappe joins us for his weekly visit, plus our parting shots. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. We always love ending the week with our parting shots, and that always includes our parting shot. It's coming up, but we always love concluding with Joey Trappe. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline.
0: Joey, how you doing this morning, bud? Doing good, man, doing good. How about y'all?
1: Good. You celebrating this Pels victory. I know you're on board, or you have been on board for a while.
0: How about it? How about it, man? That's awesome. Uh, you know, those guys are playing good right now. It, you know, I think it's going to be tough, you know, going into Golden State. It looks like that's who they're going to get matched up with. But, you know, they they playing good basketball right now, and it's surely fun to watch.
1: All right, Joey, a big weekend coming up. And, of course, you got a number of restaurants and a lot of different things going on. But I want to start with uh, – ulm spring game you got a baseball game going on out there a crawfish boil then of course the return of doug peterson and a chance for ulm fans to hear him speak saturday night uh first of all being a former ulm player how cool is this the fact that doug's coming back
0: yeah um you know kind of touched on last week you know doug's been a a great supporter of the university for a while now and uh you know it's really cool that you know his role is uh is what it is you know it's uh not every day you get a, a Super Bowl winning coach uh, coming to your backyard and, and be able to talk and, and really not expect a whole lot out of it, you know. And um, you know, yeah, action packed weekend for sure. Um, hopefully this rain will hold off till Sunday. Um, we're catering that event uh, that nice. Doug's going to speak at, so you can about imagine what kind of uh, lineup we have at Fieldhouse for Saturday, but. It'll be a, a fun day for sure, and, uh, you know, this uh, patio weather is, is definitely bringing people out, so, um, you know, Traps and Portico's patio is is the hot commodity right now, but, um, you know, NBA basketball playoffs is, uh, you know, a big draw at Fieldhouse as well, and the crawfish are looking pretty, man, so it's, it's a fun time to be in the restaurant business for sure, and we're just uh, anxious to see everybody get out and move this weekend.
1: Uh, Joey wears a lot of different hats a lot of people may not remember. He used to do uh, some sideline report reports for ULM yeah. Athletics. Uh, how excited are you just to see the Warhawks up close and personal and see a little bit of the spring game?
0: Yeah, man, um, you know, there's a lot of buzz, a lot of hype, a lot of positive around uh, ULM football right now. Um, got a lot of re- starting uh, returner, you know, returning starters coming back. Uh, so I think there's a lot of expectation there um and you know i think offensively we're gonna be a, a very explosive team uh, i know defense is, is what they're focusing on right now to try to strengthen up and, and tighten up but um yeah man to be up and close and personal with them is, is a fun time uh, especially with a young quarterback coming back off of the a year that he had uh it should be a, a fun time to watch the warhawks play
1: uh, you teased it there. You mentioned, it, of course, a lot taking place out at uh, the field house and, of course, Portico and Traps. Crawfish City, uh, how are they looking for this weekend?
0: Man, they're looking really good. Um, you know, this is about the time of the year where the size is starting to really creep up. Um, you know, this little cool snap isn't exactly great for the size of crawfish, but we're still being able to buy select crawfish. So, um, you know, we're happy with the way they look right now. Um, that's 3 99 a pound. Um, if you need live crawfish, we're, we're really loading up because all of our, our live sales have, have increased pretty good um, over the last couple weekends. So if you need live crawfish to, to boil at your house for a weekend or anything, just give us a shout or come on by and pick them up.
1: So Joey, we mentioned, of course, the four restaurants, but uh, catering, and you did say that uh, you guys will be handling the thing out with uh, Doug Peterson. That's another whole aspect of your business, correct?
0: Absolutely, man. Good point. Um, you know, the, uh, the catering side is something that we've really amped up, and, um, you know, we're offering mini burgers, chicken tenders, wings, egg rolls, meat pies, that kind of stuff all in, in large trays, uh, catering-style trays. Um, you know, really from a pharmaceutical standpoint, it's really taken off, but it's um, parlayed into other things like uh, like the Doug Peterson deal, 450 people is going to be a strong one for us, but uh, we're definitely capable of doing it. And, uh, you know, we're really hitting a bunch of high school uh, senior uh, crawfish boils, too. We're getting a lot of inquiries about that. So if you're needing food of anything from burgers, chicken tenders to crawfish, man, we got you hooked up and. Just uh, give us a shout, and we'll line it up and get you taken care of.
1: Joey, as always, we appreciate the time. I still owe uh, Jake over here for a few bets, and I'm going to pay up at some point. So we will be seeing you soon, buddy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Sounds soon. good, man. you going on two years on that, buddy. Catch up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <real laughs> later. you shaking your head over here, man. Uh, see you see it rattling around over there.
2: Oh, I man. I, I've forgotten about the bets, honestly. Oh, like, why did I
1: bring it up? <laughs> Let's get to our parting shots.
0: I started when we didn't have computers, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of that garbage. You do what everybody else in the media does, just creates and throw it on the wall and see what sticks. I have something to ask, just like this, let's do it. Where'd that come from? I never said that. Nobody in this building ever said that. So where'd you come up with that? Just, you know, had a dream about it or what? But See, it's real easy when you're not in the business, when you've never played the game, when you don't understand truly what the game is, and that's, to me, that's chicken.
1: All right, uh, let's address this. And uh, Alabama head coach uh, Nick Saban and uh, Jalen Hurts, this whole quarterback dilemma or controversy now that continues to play out with the Tide and Tua, of course, against Hurts. So the spring's playing along, and of course, Saban. There hasn't been a lot of waves, and of course, Slick Nick has been very happy about that. So then, Jalen Hurts' father comes out and he does an interview. Does this ever work out well? Never. No. So basically, to paraphrase, it says uh, Hurts' father: If it doesn't work out at Alabama, that quote literally his son would be the biggest free agent in college football history if he decides to leave the program.
2: Yeah, so the reason why we even have to address this is because the new culture mm-hmm. of transferring. And this is something that coaches are starting to have to think about or account for in today's climate of college football. The fact that my kid doesn't play, well, that's fine, we'll, we'll take my kid and he'll play somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think, you know, he does say that, you know, he, he, he loves Coach Saban and
1: and he said his son put him in this spot because not Saban, but his son did it to himself by having such a bad national yeah. championship game and getting pulled.
2: It wasn't a bad, but it wasn't a bad interview. It was just the, that one comment yeah. because he he shook, he didn't. It, the thought of him leaving Alabama, you could tell, upset him. But then they asked, you know, well, what happens if he doesn't win the job? And he just shakes his head and says, "Well, he'd be the biggest free agent in college football history." Yeah. So that just goes to show you that people had the mindset of. Individual over team.
1: And then the Alabama beat writers have to approach Saban about this article <laughs> yeah, on luck. Thursday. And he basically says he's not concerned about somebody else, what somebody else chose to write. Instead, he relies on conversations he's had with Hertz and his parents. And he says he's had very productive conversations with Hertz's father, and especially following last weekend's scrimmage. He said, quote, it was a very positive meeting. Mm, the life of a college football coach. Speaking of that, come uh, Monday morning, uh, are we going to be uh, raving about uh, LSU's offense and, of course, ends Enzmanger no. in the spring game?
2: No. No, we're not because the defense will have its way. Listen, uh, we said that we would give predictions as far as stats go. I think Miles Brennan. This
1: is the stupidest idea ever. It's Why you know, spring scrimmage stat predictions?
2: You're the one who reads off what stats Ed Orsini gives us. Just to try us. to rib you a little bit. Okay. And well, it,
1: obviously it works.
2: It does because it's stupid. But this is less stupid. Uh, so Miles Brennan, I'll say he's nine for
1: sixteen. All right, I gotta write this
2: down. Right. Write it down. Right. Nine for, nine for sixteen. Earl uh, uh, Six for 13. Oh.
1: Okay. Now how about the kid nobody talks about? Justin, Justin McMillan? Yeah. Uh, who he cares? tears it up. Who he'll cares? Be, <laughs> he'll be 11 of 12. And yeah. He'll be right in the conversation. <laughs> all right. Write that down all for right, you. Right. <laughs> uh, Jonathan but, Giles, he'll be the uh, MVP of the game?
2: Probably. Uh, no,
1: because then it would be offensive. It would have to be a defensive player. Uh, if Rashard Denon Lawrence White. played enough, he would have, like, three sacks.
2: Fahoko uh, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um my parting shot was this, Aaron. We talked about this before the show began. So, Mickey Mantle, uh, Mickey Mantle rookie card sold for $2.88 million. I
1: thought it was a misprint.
2: No. Almost $3 million this rookie card sold for. Uh, so, my, my parting shot is this. I still have my rookie cards. Don't we all? I'm hanging on to those suckers. <laughs> I'm going to wait a couple of decades. I'm hoping, you know, football and baseball cards come back yeah. into, you know, everything cycles, right? So, whenever that becomes popular again, I'm going to cash in, baby. Got, you my have some Manning, got my Peyton Manning rookie. Got my uh, – I had an Albert Poulos rookie that I thought was going to be worth, you know, a lot of money one day, and he just kind of fizzled. Mm. But, uh,
1: yeah, I got a couple good ones. I've got two lockers full, and I've lost the key to both of them. And I thought eventually that I was gonna that was gonna be where I was gonna cash in.
2: Well, you're gonna have to just beat it in. <laughs> you can do that, right?
1: Uh, 1988, this card in its best condition would have been worth three thousand three hundred. Ten years later, uh, it was up to one hundred twenty-one thousand. By 2007, uh, it was around two hundred and forty thousand dollars. And now it sells for some sucker bought it for two point eight eight million dollars.
2: Yeah, that is insane to me. Uh yeah, so hopefully, you know, hold on to your rookie cards. We'll all cash in one day. Maybe not 2.88 million, but, uh, yeah, we'll cash in.
1: Uh, plenty to check out this weekend. We've mentioned numerous times, of course, what's taking place at ULM over the weekend. A lot of different events with baseball, the crawfish boil, the spring game, and, of course, the thing with Doug Peterson. As I mentioned, uh, the lady textures, this is pretty good. Number one versus number two. Uh, as they have the big showdown with UAB. Huge series in and especially when you look at latexers, as they have won 12 straight, nine straight Conference USA contests. Get an opportunity, of course, to get some breathing room if they can win this series against UAB, who uh, is 10 and is and 10-4-1 in conference play. Everybody have a fantastic weekend, and, of course, uh, the Pels on <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at espn977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.